son comes to the Father, but through him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. All right, let's pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart. May your word be revealed to me today in a way that I can understand it, so that I can, so that I can speak it and do it and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we're talking about true freedom is knowing the answer to shame from God's word. I want to say that again. True freedom is knowing the answer to shame from God's word. And I just wanted to to recap from from last week. How many of you enjoyed last week when my, my bride, Vicky, preached? How many of you enjoyed that? Amen. Come on, let's give the, word, the Lord a big shout of praise for, for that word last week. Amen. Now, come on, really give the Lord a huge shout of praise. Amen. Amen. It was awesome. Tell us next you say it was awesome. And if you weren't there, say it anyway. Amen. And last week we were looking at um, some lessons regarding the fact that um, you've got to choose who your master is. And the first lesson, just to recap, is you choose your master. Once you've given your heart to Jesus, you have a choice. You can give yourself over to sin, or you can give yourself over to righteousness. You have that choice. Romans 6 verse 16, do you not realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Lesson number two was... Give yourself wholeheartedly to God. If you really want to see God moving in an incredible way, if you want to see the manifestation of that in your life, give yourself to God wholeheartedly. Romans 6 verse 17, Therefore, uh, so thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. And lesson number three was remove the past and give yourself to righteous living. Romans 6 verse 19, Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you to understand this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led, to ever deeper, which led you ever deeper into sin. But now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you can become holy. Now, God has called on us to become holy. And uh, it would be unfair if he did that if it wasn't possible. Because Jesus said this in Matthew 5 verse 48, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. If Jesus is giving us this command, it means it's possible. What I want you to think about is that the call on your life is that as you grow in your faith in Christ, you will become perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is something that God wants you to experience and wants to see in your life today. Now, not not in the by and by, one day in eternity, He wants you to see that now. But in order for that to happen, we have to understand the answer to shame from God's Word. Because shame is something that's going to drag you back down into sin. If you do not understand what you have through your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the enemy will use every vice under the sun to drag you back down. And you will not be able to be victorious. You will not be able to overcome. You have to overcome the shame first. Now thinking about this, for many years there was a slave trade where slaves were taken from West Africa to the United States. And there in the United States, people would be sold as bits of furniture or animals would normally be sold. It was a terrible thing. And many people celebrated what was known as the Emancipation Proclamation where where, where slaves were set free. 
And people often say, thank the Lord, we don't live in times like that. But you know, I've got bad news for you because today the slave trade still exists. In fact, in the world today, there are more slaves than they've ever been at any time in history. There are modern-day slaves in a modern-day world. And there's another word that they use for the slavery. You see, they like to talk about the slavery of the past as if it's something from the past. No, no, the slavery from the past is the slavery of the present. Just today, they call it human trafficking. Now, think about the term human trafficking. I remember when I was growing up, they would talk about drug trafficking. And what drug trafficking is, you're smuggling drugs across the border into a country to sell to people there. And so now what's happening with human trafficking is they're taking people, they're abducting them, and they're taking them across international borders, and they're selling them to people in foreign lands, in lands that those people that have been abducted don't know. Modern-day slaves in a modern-day world. At a human trafficking summit years ago, I heard that what happens here in South Africa is people get abducted, often it's children, and the slave traders then put them on ships in some of our ports here in South Africa, and then they ship them off often to the Middle East. And here was this, this bad, bad thing that I heard, and, and I mean this was people from the NPA, police, all of this. It was a human trafficking uh, uh, summit thing that was going on. And what, they, what one of the speakers at that meeting actually said is that these slave traders, these human traffickers, only need 5% of their captives to survive. If 5% of their captives survive, that shipment makes them money. In fact, it makes them good money. Now, I want you to think about the conditions on that ship. Th those conditions must be the most horrendous conditions you can, you can imagine. I mean, imagine if they don't care that 95% of their cargo dies. How bad must that thing be? But you know, as bad as that is, I want to tell you there's a slave master that's even worse. And the slave master that's even worse is the slave master which is called sin. Because this slave master called sin ensnares both the slave and the free. It enslaves everyone. No one can, it is beyond its reach. And for the person that has sin as a slave master, they're trapped, but the entrapment is on the inside of them. And wherever they go, the slavery goes with them. No matter how free they may seem to be on the outside, the slavery goes with them. <clears throat> they could be the president of the United States. They could be the president of China. They could be the secretary general of the United Nations. They could have the highest of high positions anywhere in the world. And yet, they're slaves. They're trapped on the inside. And inside them, they are trapped in a web of shame. You know, if you have a web, a web of shame on the inside, you are trapped on the inside, and there are things that you're going to be forced to do, and there are other things that you'd want to do that you can't do because of this web. I want you to think about something. You know, many times you hear stories of leaders in the world who have been caught up somehow in pedophilia. Now imagine if you've been caught up in pedophilia and then you're, some, you're in some major high up position somewhere. And there's something that you want to do because you know that it's right. And then someone comes and shows you some photos of you doing things with children that you shouldn't have done. And they say, you will do this or we will expose this. That person is entrapped in a web of shame. There's nowhere else that they can go. Yet it's the same as Pontius Pilate. You think about Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. Pontius Pilate knew that Jesus was probably the most innocent man he'd ever seen in his, in his entire life. In fact, when I say probably, it was from his perspective. We know for a fact that Jesus was the most innocent man that ever lived. Yet Pontius Pilate had a trap on the inside of him, a web of shame. And with that web of shame... He wasn't free to let Jesus go. He had to let a, a murderer go instead. Another term for this web of shame is guilt. And guilt is the world of those who are a slave to sin. 
I want to say that to you again. Guilt is the world of those who are slave to sin. And so we looked at the three lessons last week. And lesson number four this week is slaves to sin are set free. So, so slaves to sin are free to do what is wrong, but receive shame in return. Just, just think about that. I mean, God's given you a choice. If you want to walk out of here and go murder someone, you have the choice to do so. You have the choice to do the most hideous things under the, uh, you know, on the face of the planet. There's nothing beyond your physical capabilities that you, 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 you're not able to do. God has given you the choice to do this. But the thing is, when you make the choice, there's a consequence. And you receive something in return. Now Romans chapter 6 verse 20 and 21 says this. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. Listen to that again. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. When you're a slave to sin, you don't have to worry about what's right. There's no obligation for you to do the right thing. Yeah, you can go out to that party. You can smoke, get high, get drunk. You can squirt your veins. You can do whatever you want. Shoot a couple of people. Whatever you want to do. Shoot it up with a couple of people. Whatever you want to do. You can do it. There's no obligation for you to do what is right. There's no have to. There's no you got to. But then verse 21 says, and what was the result? You see, that's the thing we don't think about. What was the result? What is the result? What will the result be? And it goes on and says, you're now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. You see, you can't escape the, the consequences. You can't escape the eternal doom. Slaves to sin brag about their sinful exploits. They brag because they're under no obligation to do what's right. We know of people who, who brag about their sin all the time. You know, there are many people who brag about the crimes that they commit. They brag about the crimes that they, that they, got, that, that they commit that they got away with. You know, other people even brag in public. I've done this crime. Everyone knows I've done this crime. And look at me, I'm walking free. That is something that we see. But I want you to understand that someone who's in that position carries on as if there's no tomorrow and as if there's no judgment. Many people are living as if there's no judgment, but there is. There is a judgment. You know, every single person somewhere has a little deep voice that says, you're going to pay for this. There is no tomorrow and there is no judgment until we come face to face with our destiny. And the day will come when each one of us will come face to face with our destiny. And we will come face to face with our destiny after we die. Because the Bible says that it's appointed to every single human being to die and then to face the judgment. That is unless we come to the place where we have an encounter with Jesus. You see, when you have an encounter with Jesus, you come face to face with your sin. You come face to face with everything that you've done wrong. It's like the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. When he saw the holiness and the majesty of God, he got on his knees. He said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And God then sent an angel over with a coal from a fire, touched his lips, and he said, now your lips are clean. You go and speak my word. The apostle Peter, when Jesus said, throw your nets over to this side. Go out the deep and throw your nets over. Peter says, you know what? We haven't caught fish all night. But just because you say it, I'll do it. And then when they catch such a large catch of fish <clears throat> that they have to get their friends with their boat to come because the, the catch is so heavy, it's causing the boats to sink. When Peter sees this, he realizes, man, this must be God. And then he gets on his knees and he says, please depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You see, when we have an encounter with Jesus, we come face to face with who we really are in the face of God. And so coming to Christ requires that we, we repent. And when we repent, it means we change our way of thinking. You see, when you repent and you come to Jesus, your entire worldview changes. If you repent today and you come to Jesus today, what you thought yesterday is not what you're going to think tomorrow.
How you, see, how you saw the world yesterday is not how you're going to see the world tomorrow. And any person that has a radical encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's exactly what happens to them. That the way that they saw the world yesterday and the way that they see the world tomorrow is two different things. And that's because of the encounter that they had today. A change happens that is so spectacular and so huge that it cannot even begin to be described with just mere human words. And when that change happens, we become ashamed of what we used to brag about. And shame is a terrible master because it follows us wherever we go. It follows us wherever we go because it's inside us and we can't escape it. And so many people are trying to escape their shame. But you know, the Bible declares you cannot escape your shame except for one thing. And that is by the blood of Jesus. Because the, the blood of Jesus cleanses our souls. As Vicky was praying earlier, the blood of Jesus will even cleanse our conscience. You see, what we realize is that everyone is in a mess before Almighty God. But when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our spirit which was dead in sin comes to life. Our spirit immediately becomes perfect. In our spirit we become a brand new creation. And when we become a brand new creation, we now have a choice. Are we going to live for the spirit or are we going to live for our sinful nature? The things, the things that we see change. We see the things that we did for what they are. We see the things that we did are issues that will lead us to our doom if we carry it on. And Jesus says, come, because by, the blood of, by my blood you can be forgiven. By my blood you can be set free. And so... Instead of going to our doom, instead of carrying our shame, our next lesson, lesson five, is the things that lead to holiness also lead to eternal life. I want to say that again, the things that lead to holiness also lead to eternal life. In Romans 6 verse 22, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do the things that, now, now, sorry, now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Now, you know, if you're a slave to righteousness, if you do something sinful, you're still a slave to God. It's like if a slave does something that only a free man can do, that person's still a slave. Uh, 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 another way to put it is a person who's married. Just because they get up tomorrow and they feel like they're not married, they're still married. And, and so you become a slave to righteousness. And this is very important to understand because you will never escape the web of guilt until you realize this and until you realize you can't blow it with God because Jesus has done it all for you. You see, it's because of the blood of Jesus that we are forgiven. Yes, we had to repent. Yes, we've had to change our worldview. But now we also have to change our worldview that we have to pay for everything that we've done wrong. Because that's part of the worldview. You see, the world likes to say, ah, the church judges, the church judges, the church judges. You know what I mean? I like to put it this way. Ah, the church judges, the church judges. You know, like, really? You're that weak? The thing is, <clears throat> inside of you, when you're in the world, you judge. While you're complaining about being judged, you're judging left, right, and center. Now you give your life to Jesus, you realize, but not only did you judge other people, you judged yourself. That's why you couldn't ever admit you were wrong. You see, you couldn't admit you were wrong because on the inside you were judged and you felt condemned already. But because of the blood of Jesus, as I said, we're forgiven. We are forgiven means what? It means we are made brand new. And it means that the power of sin is broken over our lives. And when we're the power of sin is broken, we are no longer slaves to sin. And if we're no longer slaves to sin, we're no longer slaves to fear. And we now become free to become slaves of God. I want to tell you that to be a slave of God is the most freeing thing that there is. Because God is the source of all life. He's the source of all goodness. There's nothing good that doesn't come from God. But God is a gentleman. And this never happens through any way other than by our choice. He will never force himself on us. He invites us to follow his will. And if we follow his will, it's a will that leads to holiness. 
And the end result of holiness is the fruit of eternal life. The fruit that in 10,000 years, as that old hymn Amazing Grace said, in 10,000 years will be bright shining as the sun and will have no less days to sing God's praise than the day we first begun. Come on, you should give the Lord the biggest shout of praise. Amen. Come on, really give the Lord the biggest shout of praise. Amen. Because in 10,000 years, we will have no less days left to, to, to sing God's praise than the day it first began. And so this takes us to our final lesson, lesson number six. The answers to the wages of sin is free. I want to listen very carefully to what I just said to you. The answer to the wages of sin is free. Romans 6 verse 23, it's a very, very famous verse. For the wages of sin is death. In other words, sin's going to pay you a salary. Sin is going to pay you a weekly wage, whatever, however you get paid. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Sin pays us a wage. Sin pays us a salary. When we sin, we get paid in death. Because that's the salary we earned. But God, through his love for us, gives us a free gift. It's free to us. It wasn't free to him. You see, it cost the Lord his son. But he gives us a free, a free gift. And the free gift is that Jesus died on the cross for us. He died on the cross and he gives all who repent and believe eternal life. Everyone that comes and says, Lord Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior, he gives you eternal life. He gives you a hope that goes beyond the grave. Now, a number of funerals that I've done in the last number of weeks. A number of funerals. And let me tell you, this thing about needing hope beyond the grave is a very real thing, especially at this time. It's a very, very real thing. And God sent his son to die for you that you can have hope beyond the grave. And it costs you nothing. All you have to give up is your sinful life that's going to die anyway. Your sinful life that's going to be destroyed for eternity anyway. That's what you give up. And what do you receive in return? You receive Jesus. You receive his life. You receive what he did. You receive his sinless track record. You receive a spirit that was dead and now comes back to life. A spirit that has now got communion with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you in your spirit and unites with you. And the Bible says that now the same power that conquered the grave now lives in you. Amen. Come on, tell the person next to you, say, the same power that conquered the grave lives in me. And now he gives you a purpose. He gives you an awesome purpose in Proverbs 4 verse 26. It says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. You know, we're always talking about safety, eh? We need to lock down for safety. We need to this for safety. We need to have a gun for safety. We need to have no guns for safety. You know, everyone says we need different stuff for safety, and often it's contradictory things. But let me tell you something. There's only one safe path, and that's a path that God has given for your life. And the only safety you receive is eternal safety. Now, here's the thing about our purpose. If you think about purpose, purpose is about where you go. And our feet are connected to our purpose because it's on our feet where we go somewhere. And our feet either lead us on the right path or they lead us on the wrong path. Every step that we take in life, every single step, every time we, we, we make a move in life, that step either draws us closer to the perfect purpose of God or it separates us from Him. And that is why it's so important for us that our feet walk in the right direction. That, that we go where the will of God is leading. And I want you to imagine for a second, maybe you're in a car and you're driving a car. And you stop and you ask for directions. But the person sends you in the wrong direction. Imagine if uh, you're wanting to get to Pretoria and you're just down the road, Jane, Boyson's Road. Now, if you know if you're in Boyson's Road, you need to go north towards the M1 North and you need to go on the M1 North. Eventually, if you stay on that highway, you'll end up in Pretoria. Now, imagine that person tells you to go south. Well, depending where, which road you take, you could end up anywhere from Cape Town to Durban, 
maybe even Maputo in Mozambique. I don't know. You, you're gonna, you could end up in a lot of different places, but you ain't going to end up in Pretoria. And now you're busy driving and you think you're going to Pretoria and while you think you're getting closer, you're actually moving further and further away from your destination. And I want you to realize that a similar thing happens to Christians in their lives. If your feet are heading not towards Christ's perfect purpose for your life, then you are simply moving further and further away from Him. You know, I want to I I suggest to you today that you realize that Jesus shed his blood from his feet. And by that blood, when we apply that blood, his perfect purpose and will comes onto our lives. Now, there are many people who believe that they do not have a purpose in life. And they don't believe that they have a purpose because different circumstances have caused them to think that maybe they're here by accident or chance. Maybe they weren't mean to be here. Maybe they were a mistake. Or... Maybe there's no one that really cares about what they do or don't do. Allow me to suggest to you that your life is not a mistake. You are not here by accident. You were fearfully and wonderfully created in the image of Almighty God. The prophet Jeremiah spoke about the Lord. He has good plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. You are not on this earth by chance. You are in this world to reflect the glory of God. The Lord thought about you and He called you to be part of His most important mission on all the earth. And you know, when you apply the blood of purpose, even if you might sincerely be making a mistake, God will supernaturally work it out that you end up in His perfect will. It's amazing. All these things that just sort of magically seem to work out when you're going in the direction of the will of God because God will ensure that if if you've given your heart to Him, no matter even if you make a mistake, even if you make a decision that you think is the right decision in terms of purpose and it's totally the wrong decision, God will supernaturally work and put you in His perfect will. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. I've I've said this before in this series, you know. You cannot serve God. You cannot serve the purposes of God if you haven't given your heart to Jesus. But what does God do? He created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So that we can do the new things He planned for us long ago. Think about that. God planned things for you long ago, long before you were even conceived. And then Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now God says this to Jeremiah, but I believe he's saying it to you today. Listen to his words. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So before you were even conceived, before that moment of conception even happened, God knew you right there in the womb. Right there. Please don't tell me you're not special. Please don't tell me you're not incredible. Please don't tell me you're not a magnificent specimen creation of God. Man, you are mind-blowingly incredible. Because God formed you long before he even formed you in in the womb. He formed you in the Spirit. God knew you when Jesus died on the cross for you. God knew you even before Jesus died on the cross for you. He says, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. So before you were born, God had a purpose for you. And like Jeremiah, I I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I want to tell you today. The nations need prophets, eh? But I mean prophets that speak the word. Prophets that declare what the Bible says. Prophets that come and tell you about eternal things and how your earthly life shapes eternity. Prophets that give people hope at a funeral. Prophets that bring hope into a marriage that is destroyed. 
prophets that bring healing when all these terrible things like GBV and rapes and, you know, all these crimes where people get killed and brutally attacked and, um, you know, the poverty, um, you know, people living in shacks, they get sick because of, you know, poverty's conditions. People who die in queues at a hospital. All of these things. The world is crying out for prophets of God to come and speak hope into every one of those situations. To come and believe God for the miracle. To come and believe God that God wants to reach those people and touch Him. And that's what He's called you to. That's what Jesus shed His blood from His feet for you for. Please don't. Don't insult God ever again by saying your life doesn't matter. No one cares what you do. Even if it were true that no one on earth cares what you do, which I highly doubt, by the way. But even if, let's just assume for a second that was possible. Let's just say no one on earth cared what you did. God cares. And God will use you for things you cannot even begin to imagine. If you'll open up your heart to Him. And if you'll trust Him. And as you think about that, I want to ask you a question here today. Who is there in your life that you trust that God is going to speak through them into your life? You know, when you have to make a decision, a big decision, who's there that you go to? And that you believe that God's going to speak through them to you. We'll go more into the blood of purpose next week. But what I want to share with you is that if you just start saying, Lord, I take that blood and you just imagine yourself touching his feet, taking that blood and then apply it to your life. Lord, I'm willing to do your purpose and your will for my life. Show me what to do. I promise you, if you start asking God to show you what to do, he will. The Bible even declares that if you ask God for wisdom, He'll give it to you. It's a promise. He will give it to you. He will never say no. Never. And remember, wisdom is better than knowledge. It's supernatural. Wisdom knows the future. Wisdom knows the past. Wisdom knows the present. Better than knowledge ever can. Knowledge never knows the future. Knowledge only knows what's happened in the past up until now. Knowledge might know about some plans for the future, but knowledge doesn't know if those plans will be fulfilled. Wisdom knows the future. And if you ask God for wisdom, you will know the future. That's actually what He promises when He promises you wisdom. What do we call someone who knows the future? We call them a prophet. I know sometimes we like to think, you know, there's a special prophet there. There's that one there. There's that other one on TV. There's that other one in America because the prophets of America, hey, they're the prophets. You know what I'm saying? American prophets are anointed. You understand? That's what we always think. But what you don't realize is God's called everyone into that. God's called everyone to have wisdom. And if you have wisdom, you have knowledge of the future. And you're able to share that with others. And when you share the knowledge of the future that God's given you through wisdom with others, you become a prophet. I want to encourage you with it. This is what God has placed on you. This is what He has given you. What does it take for that to become manifest in your life? It takes repentance, which literally means you change your worldview. You change your entire worldview. It means everything that you knew before is wrong. And you start again with the Bible. And you say, right, I want my mind, my will, and my emotions, which is in your soul. And I want that to catch up with what Jesus has given me supernatural in my, supernaturally in my spirit. I want my mind to get where my spirit is. I want my mind to know what the spirit thinks. I want my mind to get messages from the spirit. Because if I get messages from the spirit, I'm actually getting them from the Holy Spirit. And that's what God wants for you.
Let me tell you, in the days we live, you need that. Eh? And the world around you needs you to have that. Your family needs you to have that. Now, I just want to finish off with going back to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. How do you overcome shame? How do you overcome sin? How do you overcome the guilt? The wages of sin is death. Okay, we know that. We experience that. But the free gift, the free gift. You know, I've often wondered why people get cross if other people don't buy them a present on their birthday. I mean, it's like, why, why, you know, why would you get cross? I've often wondered that. Just excuse me. Just humor me. You understand? Because what did you do to earn that gift other than the fact that you're still alive on your birthday? It's a birthday gift or a Christmas gift. Now, obviously, this is not a marriage seminar. Otherwise, I wouldn't be saying this. You understand what I'm saying? But a gift is something you haven't earned. And I'm using that picture because let's get it back here. So God gives you this gift. It's not like you can go and demand, hey, I'm upset. Hey? You haven't given me salvation. You haven't given me righteousness. Who, who do you think you are, God? It's, it's a gift. You haven't earned it. If you haven't earned it, you don't deserve it. <clears throat> why did God give it to you? Well, why does someone buy someone a birthday gift? Because they love them. Why would people get cross with other person that don't buy them a gift? Well, it's actually, it's probably not the gift. It's probably, you don't love me. Now, God's given you this gift and it's right there before you. And the gift is Jesus. And through Jesus, you get eternal life. <clears throat> Romans chapter 10, verse 8 and 9 says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what it says. What does that mean? The word of your salvation is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That's where this word comes from. And then to explain that further, what, what, what does he mean by that? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In other words, if you say, Jesus, your Lord. And believe in your heart. You believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. In other words, you believe in the resurrection. Listen, to believe in the resurrection, you've got to first believe in the crucifixion. To believe in the crucifixion and the re resurrection, you've got to believe that Jesus was righteous, he was perfectly holy his whole life through, that he never deserved to die. So in other words, if you believe in the resurrection, you believe in the rest of it. You believe in the power of the cross. You believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. You also believe that Jesus ascended for you and he, he now sits, sits at the right hand of the Father where he's interceding for you. He's your advocate in heaven. He's your lawyer in heaven. <clears throat> so... If you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, so you confess, Jesus, you're my Lord, means you own me from this day forward. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, so he has the power to save you from your sin and to give you eternal life, then he says, you will be saved. Not maybe, not potentially, not I wonder if I'm saved. He says, no, no, you will be saved. And, and what the Bible says is that believing this or disbelieving this is what separates those that are destined for heaven and those that are destined for hell. Those that disbelieve Jesus, they're the ones that are going to hell. Those that believe in Jesus are going to heaven. You know, Angus Buckham, <clears throat> he had a statement, and I don't know if it originally came from him, but he's the one I heard it from. You know what he said? And it leads on from what Vic's prayed earlier. He said, good people don't go to heaven. Believers do. And I want to ask you today, are you, are you a believer? And I want you to think seriously about that. Because today your eternal destiny is at stake. I, I, I don't want you to put this off. You, you don't know if you have time going forward. <clears throat> you, you don't know what might suddenly happen to you. You don't know if today might be the day that you pass away. And if it is the day that you pass away and you were to face God tonight, do you know that you'll be right with Him? 
Good people don't go to heaven. Believers do. Do you believe? Maybe you're sitting and you're thinking you don't. Well, then maybe you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you've lost your belief and you're needing to recommit your life to Jesus. And I want to encourage you to really think about that right now. Don't, don't think you're going to have an effective prayer time with God later. Because now is the time for your salvation. Don't wait another day. Maybe you're thinking your sin is too big. Listen, your sin can never be too big for Jesus. Even someone like Hitler, if he'd really come, I believe it's all my heart, if he'd really come and he'd really repented and he'd really given his heart to Jesus, I believe he would have been saved. Because the Bible says, whoever comes, whoever comes will be saved. Because there's no one that deserves salvation more than anyone else. Yeah, we might think we're better than other people, but you know what, at the end of the day, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, let me just think about this for a few weeks. And the Lord might be saying to you as he says to some, listen, I've spoken to you now. If you don't make this decision now, you'll never have the opportunity again. Today is the day of your salvation. If you don't believe your life matters, if you don't believe you have a purpose, come to Jesus now. Let me tell you what happens when you come to Jesus. You come into the altar of Jesus, what you're saying to God, you're saying, Lord, this is the time. Lord, I want to commit my life to you right now. I don't, I, I don't want to wait, Lord. I want to submit completely to you right now. Because I know I can't do a better job with my life than what I can if I'm surrendered to you. Lord, I don't want to wait until I get home because, let's be honest, I don't know if I'll make it. But I want to commit to you now and I don't want to live eternity far from you. I want to live close to you from this day forward because I know that one day death's going to come knocking and when it comes knocking I want to be ready because I'll know I'll be with you in eternity. I want to know this Lord I want the assurance I want the hope sitting here in my soul that this is going to be my, my story. And I'm going to ask you right now just to close your eyes wherever you are. And as you close your eyes what I'm asking you is where do you stand with Jesus? Do you need to give your heart to Him? Or do you need to recommit your life to Him? If you hear one of the other sites, in a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hands if that's you. If you're online, please send us an email either on the audio or, or one of the online video channels on Active TV. Then please, if, if, if you are watching online or listening online, please send us an email to info at activechurch.org. That's info at activechurch.org. And just send us your contact details. We'll get into contact with you. And we'll pray with you. And we'll support you. But so now, as, as you hear, if you need to give your heart to Jesus, either send that email or right now just raise your hand. And those that raise their hands, some hands have gone up. Those that raise their hands, we're going to pray with you. Some more hands have gone up. I see some hands right at the back there. Please, for those who are site leaders, please just check if there's hands there where you are. If you're raising your hands, yeah, or at one of the other sites, someone is giving you a piece of paper right now. Please just fill that piece of paper in and make sure you give it to us before you leave I'm going to ask one last time is there anyone else a number of people have raised hands is there anyone else I think that's another hand right at the back there I'm going to ask everyone we're going to pray now and I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with belief but first of all I'm going to ask you to take your right hand and just put it on your chest by your heart and just see Jesus and just visualize him. It's important that you visualize him. On the cross for you, his blood being shed for you. I want you to see that blood falling and it's, it's hitting a pile of, of arguments, a pile of papers with all the arguments against you because of sin. And the blood is just destroying that right now. 
Those arguments are being smashed to smithereens as if they don't exist. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this blood that he shed over 2,000 years ago still has the same power today, exactly the same power to take away sin. The, the work that he did on the cross of Calvary takes away all sin, and it, it, it's, it's a sacrifice that was made once and for all. The blood that he shed, it paid the price for our sin, and it washed all our sins away. And as you see that, as you imagine that, as you imagine your fear being destroyed, as you imagine the, the chains of sin just being broken off, off your life right now, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, let's just pray it properly. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin, and I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price that you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me of all my rebellion, all my sin, set me free from any sickness and from any pain. Lord, I accept that my debt has been paid. There is no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me at the cross of Calvary. I accept that by your blood. I am justified, and you see me as though I had never sinned, and that by your blood I am sanctified, and you've chosen me to serve you. I am willing to serve you, and today I open the door of my heart, and I invite you to come in as my Lord and my Savior, and I thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
what you spoke. 